0: What's up, men, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of the hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. Salute. 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 Dude, I'm racking.
1: I'm going. I'm trying. You took this class. French. I, yeah, I thought there'd be a layup for you. Salute. Okay, it's coming back a little bit. I'm you still like bonjour right I, I know I went informal so yeah I thought Whoa. they didn't teach you that in French they, they probably did <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they did I'm not
0: gonna throw miss Cox under the under the bus like that she she was my French teacher for three years and um, she did a great job but she did yeah I uh yeah but that that one okay that I, I one thought I that was a layup
1: for you I, I was like I know he's gonna get this because he can almost speak fluently in French, but That's not even close inaccurate. to it. inaccurate. Okay.
0: That's really inaccurate. Three yeah. years of French. I, in high school, dude, it's been a long time. Okay. It's been a long time since I've uh, cracked the French
1: textbooks. Yeah. Cause you don't need it in South Orange County. Right. And I didn't need it in Dallas, Texas either. <laughs> and all my friends are taking Spanish. I'm like, dude, you guys aren't going to need that You're in the alluded. future. Why would you take Spanish? And now they're just excelling with... Right, So many relationships and conversations, and you're stuck with... I'm waiting for the French invasion. I'm waiting for it. It's coming. <laughs> and you can't and even keep up now. Like, and then
0: I'm not going to be any they're help. They're going to say right? salute to you, and you're going to be like, what? Yeah. Okay. Do you guys know Koine Greek? We can, <laughs> I, don't, I can't even speak that, but I could read. If you write me a letter in it, I could read it. Hey, so uh, the quarantine's still going on, and yep. uh, I don't know if your church is anything like our church, but one of the things that we've been doing... He is trying to take advantage of this time to give our campus a little bit of a facelift around here. So, Kellen, what are some things that we've done around Compass Bible Church?
1: Yeah, we've done a great job with our kids' ministry. I mean, uh, the walls and the repainting and even the carpet, like things you don't think about when kids are in and out of the campus.
0: Which we had walls and carpet beforehand. Let's just clarify that. It's that we're...
1: We're doing a great job with kids In We've got walls now. Yeah, we put we, some carpet in. Like yeah, we don't just let them run free. And, it's not just the dirt anymore or, <laughs> or the parking that, lot. That's fair. Thanks for that clarification. Yeah, yeah. Just in case anybody was wondering. Yeah, we do have walls here. We do have carpet. They don't play on concrete. But, uh, yeah, the facelift, the repainting of the walls that already existed. But, uh, yeah, it looks great. They did a, a great job, and it's just you forget – to even pay much attention to whether it be carpet and stuff when you have kids in there 24 seven, that's just, you know, in and out all day long. Um, but we've had this opportunity to to refresh it. It looks great. They've right. done a great job with that. Um, I know we got a, a new a new building that, you know, where our church offices are gonna be relocating to that that's progressing really well. So yeah, some great stuff that has been going on yeah. at the church uh, during this time of quarantine. So I worked at a church back in uh,
0: Missouri in middle America there. And, uh, we were talking about doing this building project and giving an up a a facelift to our church there. And I started talking with some people and I was like, well, we'll need to get new carpet in the worship center. And the response I get, no lie is, well, we're going to have to run that by our color committee. Color committee. Right, right. Color committee. So I threw the brakes on. I was like, excuse me, what? And, uh, This was a church that had Baptist roots in it, and uh, if if you're unfamiliar with with Baptists, they have a committee for everything. Um, There's a committee to form committees, and so there was a color committee. So any modifications you wanted to make to any room on the property had to be approved by the color committee. And the color committee, as you guys just heard my laptop go off in the background there, but that's okay (laughs) because you guys all have that happen to you as well. But the color committee was made up of like women that were—how do I put this gently— um not young okay uh, yeah okay. so uh, doilies things like that like <laughs> so as we're as a church trying to maybe get a, even a little bit younger we're running our plans by these ladies that are like
1: we want wallpaper right and flowers. where where
0: are the fake flowers going to go and dude it was it was a struggle it was a struggle yeah and one in particular um we had this nativity set that went up front center of the stage every year around christmas time And it was surrounded by poinsettias, and it just made me cringe a little bit. (laughs) The same one every year. I died a little bit every time that I walked (laughs) in and saw it up there. Um, But, hey, you know what? It, that's behind me now. We're now here, and we don't have color committees I kind of want to
1: search them. Like, you think I could find them if I went online and put the color? I might come up with something else if I search them. color committee. committee. Yeah. It, yeah, especially it, right now <laughs> in, this, in this context. <laughs> Can you imagine the phone calls they're probably getting? Is like Churches that. have color committees? Uh, like, <laughs> Talk to us about this color committee. It's like, we, ju- we just like wallpaper, and we just want to have poinsettias and stuff. <laughs> we, we don't want that trouble. That's awful. It's <laughs> horrible. Oh, the times are great.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as as believers, we make decisions all the time, right? And and we, hopefully, you don't have committees um, that you are running every decision that you make past. Although the Book of Proverbs does say there's there's wisdom in an abundance of counselors, and we would agree with that. And uh, and we're going to talk through some things though today in this episode about how to make decisions wisely as believers when it's not necessarily uh, just a black and white, clear cut. This is what the Bible says. This is what we're going to do issue. Um, And there's a a guy by the name of Andy Nacelli. And Andy Nacelli is a pastor with uh, Bethlehem Baptist Church, which is where John Piper uh, was pastoring for so long. And uh, he's a a guy that that put together a decision-making tree that is helpful for um, us as believers to think through. And uh, as I'm saying this, and I don't even know if this is possible, but we've got an awesome director of communications here at our church, uh, Brandon Meller, who you guys have heard on this podcast multiple times. He created a a website for our podcast. So you can go to qualitymanhood.com. Again, qualitymanhood.com, and that's going to take you to our website. It's got all of our episodes, all of our podcast episodes there, and you can listen back to them there. But uh, I'm going to see if we can maybe upload this graphic to that website so that yeah. uh, the guys would be able to, to jump on there and find what we're talking through because it's it's really, really helpful. And, again, this is Andy Nacelli. It's his work. I want to make sure to, to give him the credit for this. Um, but we want to talk through how do we make these decisions in these gray areas. We're talking a lot about Christian liberties these days. Um, we're talking a lot about what we should do out of love for others as well. So let's let's start tackling these things. And just to give you a real life example of of this, when I was uh, younger, grown up in in Dallas, there was a church uh, around the area, not one that I went to or attended, but that had a ministry called Theology on Tap. Hmm. And this, this church would, uh, would basically send people from their church into one of the, the bar areas of Dallas, and these people would go into the bars, and they would sit down at the bars, and they would drink with nonbelievers to try to talk to them about Christ. And some of you listening to this are maybe thinking about that going, great, that's awesome. Others of you are listening to this going, how could they ever think about doing that? How dare they do that, right? And this is what we're talking about. How do we make these decisions? Kellen, you were talking to me about another church that you read about, too.
1: Yeah, I was out in Tennessee, very similar to that situation where uh, it was more of like a, a home church, a church that some a group built, and they put beer taps all around it, and they invited the community in to come hang out, come, come drink with us, and, and learn the Word. Uh, and I, I guess the goal was to, again, bring the community in, Um have beer there and sort of, I, I guess, meet the community where they are. And, but, again, it's it's a slippery slope to where, you know, it's much easier to conform to the world than it is for us to pull a whole group um, that is just living by the world, right. worldly standards, and pull them up to right. where we are. Uh, and most of the time, you know, when you're bringing around alcohol and you're trying to talk about theology, that that's just not going to go over well. Right. right? It's just not. Th- there's so many other opportunities to where, you know, whether it be, you know, the relationships you already have with your right. coworkers, with your neighbors is investing in them, loving on them, as opposed to, you know, trying to find something that the world likes to do and and, right. and turn that into a gospel conversation. Right. And,
0: and, you know, for you, maybe it's not alcohol. Um, I doubt it's dancing, but maybe it's dancing for you guys, right? Or playing cards, right? <laughs> like all these things that I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't, chew and I don't go with girls that do, right? I mean, right. those are the, the things that that kind of were known as the, the traditional gray areas of the church. But even nowadays, there's there's other gray areas that are popping into the church. We live in, in different regions of the country where there's different mandates now with COVID-19 and everything mm-hmm. else. And even there, it's like, okay, how do we make the right decision in this? And this decision-making tree is just helpful on that. And so the first question that we have to ask right off the bat when we're trying to make a decision, number one is, does the Bible allow it? Um, in other words, is there a a prohibition against this in the scriptures or is there an exhortation in favor of this in the right. scriptures right? Yeah. then if there if that's the case, this is not a gray issue yeah. if the Bible says no what what's our response Kellen?
1: Absolutely not right. and there shouldn't be any questions, any type of rhyme or reason uh, on why we should do it it's that clear uh, and especially if it's something that the Bible states, very clearly is, like, we have to follow it. I think as you start to get down into these gray areas, then it might take a little more of, like, what we'll talk about and, you know, bringing other brothers in to get counsel from them. But if the Bible is clear on it, then there's just no way around it. We need to be faithful to uh, adhering to the words of the of Scripture. Right.
0: And, and if we answer that question, okay, does the Bible allow it? And we say, well, you know, on this issue, yes. You know, the Bible's not plain on this. Or, you know, maybe even the Bible says... This is okay, right? I mean, with with the issue of alcohol, and there's different things there. I mean, uh, people will talk about the the type of alcohol, the fermentation processes that were taking place back in the New Testament era, uh, that is a different strength and everything else. So there's there's all of those factors to take into account. But you know, Paul instructs Timothy, take a little wine for what ails you when mm-hmm. he's talking about you know the problem with his stomach, and he, even Jesus talks about drinking of the vine in the new hev- new heavens and the new earth. So, uh, you know, we're going to look at that, and we're going to say, okay, the Bible doesn't strictly forbid or prohibit everything, okay? So then the next question that we have to answer, the first one, does the Bible allow it? The next one then, as we're making these decisions, does my conscience allow it? Right. And that's important.
1: We don't want to sin against our own consciences. Right. Right. And, and God gives us our conscience for a reason, and we're all we're in different situations. So I think, yeah, once we get past, you know, does the Bible allow it? Yes or no? What this diagram tells us is we go down to yes, and you ask ask that next question about your conscience. And mine might be slightly different from yours, uh, just based on who I have around me. For example, if I have somebody in my family, let's say that's just you know struggling with with something, uh, whether it be. Uh, money or whether it be you know alcohol whatever it is then how I handle myself because the Bible call tells me not to cause my brother my brother to stumble well I may not be able to do something that you're okay with and your conscience is right. free from doing it because I got somebody that is looking up to me that I'm a witness to that God's put in my life to say hey, I, Kellen, you can't do this. PJ may be able to, but you can't do this, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause somebody to stumble. That's right. in your life that I put around you. And we need to care more about loving the people that are around us and witnessing them as opposed to, well, I mean, the Bible's not clear on it, and it doesn't say yes or no, I should be able to do this. Maybe you can Right, right. And and Paul
0: writes this in 1 Corinthians 8, 7 through 11, right on just what you were talking about there, Kellen. Paul says, however, not all possess this knowledge, but some... Through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. In other words, they were out of this world. They were they were eating the food that was offered to idols. And Paul saying, "Look, idols are not are not a thing, right? So you don't need to worry about eating something offered to an idol because." An idol is nothing to begin with. But he's saying some people were immersed in that culture. They're coming out of that culture. So when they eat this food that's offered to an idol, it's wounding their conscience, right? And their conscience is defiled. And Paul goes on, he says, food's not going to commend us to God. We're no worse off if we do eat or no better off if, if we don't. Uh, but take care that this is this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block, like you were saying, Kellen, right. to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in in, in, an, in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? Which may be a uh, Paul's implication. There may be a problem for him mm-hmm. because it's it's wounding his personal conscience. And then verse eleven. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed. The brother for whom Christ died. Yep. Um, so yeah, it, our conscience—it's—it's it's something that we need to, to factor into this. If your conscience won't allow you to do something, even though, like Kellen said, it may allow another brother in Christ to do the same thing, you know what? It's you are better off saying no um, in doing that. And and men, if if you have a brother whose conscience is weak in a matter like Kellen was talking about, you guys need to love that brother enough right. not to. Uh, do the thing, not to claim your Christian liberty so strongly to say, well, I'm going to do this because the Bible doesn't prohibit it when you've got a brother who's looking at you going, please don't do that right now because that's going to cause me to stumble.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, Paul sums it up in 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 23. It says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. And so he goes through these 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 verses, and verse 22 is exactly what you were saying, is to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. And so Paul's looking at it like, at the end of the day, it's about the gospel. It's not about me and my feelings and my liberty and what I feel like I should be able to do, what I shouldn't be able to do, whatever is going to point People around me to Christ. That's right. what I'm going to do because right. that's all that matters. And yeah, we we definitely have to be able to get in that mindset. And it's tough to do because sometimes it feels like, man, I'm, I'm missing out. I'm not yeah. getting. I'm not free to do what my my friend over here is able to do because um, my conscience is telling me something different. And again, God gives us our conscience, our Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working in us as Christians. We need to listen to it and we <clears throat> need to abide by it um, so that. God can continue to work in the people that he has around us. Right. So... I've answered these first two questions. Does the Bible
0: allow it? Yes or no. If, if yes, then my next question, does my conscience allow it? Yes or no. So if my conscience says yes, then I'm good. I'm just going to go no. do it, right? Like bowl in the china shop, watch out. Here I go, right? No. Those are the two big rocks, but then we, we got we got a few more to work through. Yeah, and these are this is where Nacelli, I think, really is, is helpful in this diagram because I think maybe if, if you've been around the church, you've kind of heard those first two questions. Yep. You've thought through those first two questions. You've wrestled with those first two questions. You've heard sermons preached on that concept concept. concept. But now Nicelli provides these three further diagnostic questions before we make our decision to think through. And the first one is, what effect is this going to have on other believers? Mm -hmm. So the Bible allows it. My conscience allows it. Now I need to ask this question, okay, how is this going to impact other believers around me? And that's a little bit about what we were just talking about, even with the conscience issue. Is there another brother whose conscience is going to be offended by this, right? I need to think about my church family and how this is going to impact them and not just how it's going to impact me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, being on the staff here, our senior pastor, one of the first things that he talked to me about is being a churchman and not just caring about uh, my ministry, but caring about the entire church and uh, kids' men and caring about, you know, the women's ministry and caring about young adults' ministry just as much as I care about my active ministry. And, That, again, is is here. It's like, what's going to be the effect on other Christians? It's like different things we do, and we can even talk about a little bit, like, you know, mask situations, all right? And wearing masks, not wearing masks, it's like, it's not about what I want to do and what it's like. I I don't like it. It fogs up my glasses. It does all these things. It's like, what effect does it have on my brothers and sisters in Christ that, you know, it it may hit home a little more to them Um, and being able to let that factor in and make the decision. And what's interesting about all of these is, It takes our self out of the driver's seat. So, when we look at the Bible, when we look at the conscience, when we look at other Christians, and as we keep going, all of this kind of goes down to being selfless and putting others above you. Again, back to what Christ preached on and and taught on constantly is like, put others before yourself. Mm -hmm. And if we do that, then we can constantly sort of be in the right mindset to start, and then we can make a decision. But the minute we say, like, what do I want to do? What's going to make me happy? It then blurs all of this, and we go down the wrong road. Right, and that's, you know, Philippians
0: chapter 2, right? When Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility of mind, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out, not only for your own interests, okay? Mm-hmm. So the Bible allows it, my conscience allows it, so let me go for it. Okay, no, that's only looking for my own interest. Yep. But he says, Paul does, also for the interest of others. And yeah, he points to Christ as the prime example of that and says he's the reason why, Uh you know, we should do this. And, and, and Paul talks about this again, coming back to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, the, the opening, 1 Corinthians 9.1. Am I not free, Paul says? Right. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you're the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right? Man, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're hearing this, aren't we, right. in the church right now? Yeah. Don't we have the right? Don't what about my rights? What about what's what? You know, what about the Constitution? Yeah. Uh, verse five: Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? You know, he goes on, who serves as a, a soldier? And, and that all culminates when he's saying, look, I'm going to do everything for the sake of other people that I might win some for Christ, like yeah. you were saying earlier, Kellen.
1: Yeah, he even uses, uh, I think the great example in Scripture is Timothy. Uh, when he takes Timothy on his mission to start preaching in the synagogues, Timothy was uncircumcised, right? His mother was a Jew, his father was a Greek, and uh, he got Timothy circumcised. And he said... I- I, it's not because i believe in it like i don't you don't need to be circumcised but if you're going to go teach in synagogues i don't want anything that's going to cause people to stumble to say like i'm not going to listen to him even though his theology might be right i can't listen to him because he's uncircumcised right. we're going to get you circumcised i don't right. i'm not under the law you don't have to be but for the gospel we're going to make that happen
0: that's a that's a big ask too, isn't
1: it i'm not saying people <laughs> need to go get circumcised that's not don't don't set in the appointment's not that you were but yeah just what that's where paul's mind was in regards to all things for the sake of the gospel right
0: which is crazy because he writes in galatians stop it right (laughs) because in galatians he had these judaizers that were coming in going hey you guys need to be circumcised and keep the law he's like stop no you don't but yeah you're right in that circumstance this is in order to reach more people for christ right thinking about other people do we not have the right do we not have the right do we not have the right look your rights that you want to hold on to may infringe upon the the conscience of a fellow believer in christ and that believer is more important than your rights um you know, that if if we lose the Constitution, the Bible's still there, right? Absolutely. And we as a church need to start appealing back to the Scriptures more than we do the Constitution. I love our, our country, I love the freedoms that we have, but if they're gone, God's Word is still there. Yep. And we're not guaranteed these rights that we want to throw back in people's face and say, well, I've got the right because I'm free. Okay, you do, but what if that changes and you're gone or you are in a different country? You know, are they any worse of a person than you are just because they don't have the constitution of the united states to appeal to no we need to go back to the word
1: And on judgment day that's not going to be the constitution is not going to be pulled out right right exactly
0: (laughs) exactly yeah um so what effect does it have on other christians right that's question one question two what is the effect on non-christians and we've already kind of been covering this but man what's this going to do to my witness with people
1: yeah
0: um you know, if I'm going out and I'm at the bars and I'm drinking with unbelievers <clears throat> or, or, you know, as, as Christians, we're, we're called to be lights in the community. And I'm, I'm not saying that you can't do that. I, I wouldn't choose to do that. Let me give a different example. Um. This one, I think, is more cut and dry. There are, believe it or not, there are pornography conventions where all of the people that are in that industry meet together in these conference centers, and it's just a a den of debauchery, right? There are people that are believers that are like, well, I'm going to go do evangelism there at those things. I'm going to go inside these convention centers, and I'm going to go witness to the people that are there. No, right? Like, (laughs) that's... (laughs) <laughs> we're supposed to be lights. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And, right. you know, we need to be careful about what effect this is going to have on unbelievers as well. Uh, third question, what, is, what effect is this going to have on my spiritual life, um, on your walk with Christ? Uh, you know, th- that's, that's key there, right? right. And, and this is talking to the person that's like, I know, you know, the, the Bible does allow it. My conscience is okay with it, I think. Uh, but maybe it's going to wound another believer. Maybe this is going to wound an unbeliever, but I don't care because this is right. Right. Mm-hmm. And the the question that Nazzelli wants us to think about there is like, Hey, look, what is this? What's the effect this is going to have on your spiritual life? Is this going to impact negatively your relationship with Jesus?
1: Yeah. And we need to, as Christians, just always keep our minds set on the things above. In Colossians three, two, um, in, making sure that that is our focus and not the minutiae that's the day-to-day of what we have going on right now, because there's so many things that we can look at as Christians and say, I want this, I want that, I, I feel good about this, I don't feel good about that, and at the end of the day, in, you know, a year, sometimes even in a month from now, those little those things just don't matter. And so, keeping our our mind focused on things above is going back to that spiritual life. Like, don't do things that may feel good today, but that's gonna, you know mess up your spiritual life. going to mess up your walk. going to mess up your witness with non-believers. going to mess up, you know, your the brother in Christ that may be weak in a certain area that's walking beside you. And so, as a whole, be able to keep in mind our spiritual life and the things and the decisions that we make and the things that we do.
0: Right. And, and really, this, at the end, is, is this, you know, general 30,000-foot question is, how is this going to help me glorify God? Yeah. And if we can't answer that question, we shouldn't do it. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's in the end, that's our goal. Everything that we should be doing, right? And that's First 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or whether you drink, what? Do everything for the glory of God. So, you know, Colossians 3.17, similarly, Paul says there that we need to do everything we do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we can't say that what we're doing is for the glory of God and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what we are doing is wrong. Right. Even if the Bible doesn't specifically prohibit it, even if your conscience allows for it, if, if you can't sit here and say this is for God's glory, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Lay it aside. Give it up. Put it aside, right? And especially when it comes to uh, your impact, your witness, your standing as a as a light in the midst of a dark world. Uh, one more verse, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 9.12, he says, we have not made use of these rights. Remember, he was saying, I've got the right, I've got the right, I've got the right. He says, but we have not made use of these rights. But instead, we endure anything. Anything. Man, we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Right. Man, we need that right now, right? Sure. Definitely. We endure anything. Anything. You know, and, and I've, I've had multiple people say, well, you know, these, these things that the governor's asking us to do are, are ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. But is, it, is he asking you to sin? Right. If the answer is no, then we're going to appeal to 1 Corinthians 9.12. We endure anything. Rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ,
1: yeah, and remembering God is sovereign. It's not like He, you know, He's off duty right now and He's coming back. Oh, I didn't know this was ha- like He knows what we're doing. He right. expects us, like we talked about in, in First Peter, is like our, our behavior needs to reflect that He's in control. Right? Um, he's sovereign, and there's a reason why He's doing this. And so, right. as Christians, we need to, you know continue to focus on Him, continue to set our minds on things above. This is temporary. Right. Our Zoom meetings, our not being able to meet in person, all that stuff is temporary. There's right. going to come a day where we don't have to worry about it ever again, but we endure through this time, right. um, and He's calling us to do that. And, man, this is
0: this is the the position of strength right here. I, I mean, if, if you want to lead well, if you want to lead your family well, if you want to be a leader in your church, if you want to be a leader in your community— uh, you know, it's, it's not about just saying, well, these are my rights and I'm going to you know, live by my rights and I'm gonna, I challenge anyone to come and challenge me on those. That's not strength. Mm-hmm. Strength is saying, okay, Lord, what do you want of me? Strength is let me consider others, not just myself. Strength is Philippians 2. Have this mindset, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped or held onto, but emptied himself, you know, being found in, in the likeness of a servant in the likeness of men. And it says, and he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the model that we've been called to follow. That's true strength. And so as we are making these decisions, men, let's be strong in the decisions that we're making in a way that honors and pleases the Lord. And we will be praying for you this week as you encounter, I'm sure, things that you're gonna have to make these decisions on. And we'll pray that you uh, make decisions that, that please the Lord through that process. Again, we'll try to get this graphic uploaded on our website and we will be back with you guys next week.